So Hebrews chapter 6, what we're going to be looking at is this idea that there is a certainty in knowing Jesus. In a world that is uncertain, we have a Savior who is completely certain. You can always trust him. You can always uh, be uh, in, a, in, a, in a state of grace. You can always be in a state of peace because of who Jesus is. And this morning, as we're looking at this, I want you just to be encouraged with that this morning. Uh, no doubt you probably heard about some stuff going on in our country that's kind of crazy right now, haven't you? There's all kinds of just stuff going on that we have probably reason to be fearful or maybe be a little bit nervous today. But when we think about who our God is, we think about who He is to us. We don't have any reason to fear. He is a certain God. There is certainty in knowing Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Getting choked up this morning. You know, it's kind of cool, guys. I'm, I'm about to start this. I've got to say this. It's going to be really fun to be able to see you guys fall asleep while I preach. Because I, before, I didn't really know. You know, I'm like, oh, they're probably sitting on the couch asleep. But now I can see you fall asleep, and that is so comforting for a pastor. So, so comforting. I'm so happy to be able to do that today, right? But as we look at the Word today, let's let it wash over us new. Amen? Hebrews chapter 6. We'll start here with verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all of their disputes in oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled for refuge, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we have looked into your word. We ask that, Lord, you would just wash over us this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that, that, Father, as individuals are sitting here, and, Lord, as individuals may be listening or watching this later, God, what I ask is that your word would reign supreme in our lives, and the truth that we get out of this passage of Scripture is the fact that there is a certainty in knowing Jesus. And today, we need that more than ever. In a time that is uncertain, God, we need you. So I ask today that, Father, you would bring a, a peace and a power to your church today. That, Lord, we will just trust you and live without fear. Thank you for being a good and gracious God. In your name, amen. Guys, no doubt, you're watching the news, you're, you're checking out what's going on in our world today, and probably we're pretty uncertain about what's going to happen in all of this, aren't we? You don't know. When it comes to pandemic stuff, no matter where you stand on that issue, we don't know where this pandemic may go or not go. 
when it comes to uh, the unrest in our nation today. We don't know where it's going to go or not go. And so what do we do in times like this? Do, do, do we get mad? Do we lash out? Do we say things that we wish we wouldn't have said? Do we do things that we wish we wouldn't have do? Or, as a believer in Jesus Christ, do we cling to Christ? Do we cling to him, the anchor of our soul? And there are some things that we need to understand about who God is. And the first thing that we look at this morning is our certainty is in a God who is above all. Have we forgotten as a church that God is above everything that goes on in this world today? Have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that, that he is a God who's more powerful than any looting or rioting or cancer or pandemic? That God is bigger than these things. Have we forgotten that? Our God is an amazing God. He is, he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And so as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ today, we should strengthen ourselves. You guys ought to just kind of walk out of here. And if, you, if I had you do it, you'd probably think I was weird. But just pull your boots up and go out of here as a believer in Jesus Christ who's encouraged today. Amen? We, we, we need to be encouraged. And there's a, there's a clear directive in Scripture as to how believers to live their lives. And, and, and the very fact of the matter is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what compels us and forces us to go out and to do the things that he's called us to. We cannot do this on our own love, our own power, our own organization. We must rely fully upon Christ. He is the only thing that is certain in this world today. And our God is a God who is above all. Our certainty is also in a God who is all-knowing, and he offers hope. How many of you want hope today? Anybody want hope? You, you want to come to church, and I think a lot of people do come to church, and they want to leave hopeful, right? Now, the, the looting and stuff that's going on, and no doubt if you've, you've been on social media, you've seen it. And, and no doubt, like in my situation, I put a post that is just not really sugar-coated in any respect at all, and I've got people coming at me trying to put words in my mouth. Now, I want to clarify to you guys my stance on everything. That way you guys know where your pastor stands because other people's thoughts and opinions on me are not what is correct, okay? So I'm just going to say this real quick today. I am not for looting and violence. Does everybody hear that, okay? Not for it at all. Here's what I am for. I'm for the church of God to actually step up and love like Christ. That's what I'm for. And, and as a church, we can no longer be silent when it comes to things like racial tensions and racial inequalities in our society. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to love all people. Does everybody hear that this morning? It compels us to love all people. We're, we're not called to all of this. And when you see looting and rioting in our society, you know what you're actually seeing? You're seeing people acting out of fear and hopelessness. They are living out of fear and hopelessness. And church, what I want you to hear this morning is the gospel message is a message of hope. What the church has is the cure to what ails the world. The gospel can give hope to people who are hopeless. The gospel can give peace to people who are fearful. You see what I'm saying this morning? And so as a believer in Jesus Christ, we must be adamant to go out into the world and to show the love of Jesus, not just on Facebook. And guys, understand, um, some of the stuff I posted was not even based on conversations I had on Facebook. 
I, I had conversations. I don't know if y'all remember back in the old days when people used to talk face-to-face. -face. I had face-to-face -face conversations with people, and, um, or mask-to-mask. -mask. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird day we live in. But I had face-to-face -face conversations with people, and by and large, believers in Jesus Christ that I spoke with were more enraged by the fact that there was a building that was burned down in Minneapolis than they were with the fact that a man was held down to the ground until he died. That picture that I see of that, it's, it's enraged me as a believer in Jesus Christ. Does the looting and rioting, yeah, there's, there's, there's probably bad seeds in every, every, every crowd, right? I think some people are probably going out and doing stuff just because it's, it's an opportunity to get stuff. Understand that. I, I believe that. But what I also believe is that all of that, at its core, at its beginning, it started when people we're treating other people without any respect. And it's not just the one situation. It's been going on for a long time. We as a church cannot just sugarcoat it and say, well, it's time for people to grow up and get over it. No, we as a church need to go out here and give them hope to give them peace through Jesus Christ. That's what the church needs to do. There is no, there is no doubting the, the fact that, that some groups in our society have been held down for centuries because of their skin color. And as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have to tell you today that there is no room in the hearts of a Christian to ever look at anyone as less than. Jesus Christ died for all skin colors. Jesus Christ came for all diversities, all people, all cultures, all religions, all sexual orientations. He came to redeem every single one of us. You guys hear that this morning? And I want us to be a church that, that thrives on that. That thrives on that, that the gospel message is not just something that makes the church just feel good about ourselves as we dress up and come and sit in service. But rather, the gospel message is something that sends us out in power. It sends us out on fire for God. Somewhere along the way, I think we've lost that meaning of what, what it means when Christ went to the cross. One of my heroes of the faith is a, a man by the name of Brennan Manning. And no doubt over the years, if you've been here very long, you've seen me quote the man. Brennan Manning was a, uh, he was a, a war veteran. He come back, and uh, he, was a, he became a, a priest in the Catholic Church. Stay with me, Baptist, okay? He was a priest in the Catholic Church. Um, he did that for some time. Uh, he, he went into uh, teaching in seminary. After he was teaching in seminary, then he went around the world, and he did things like living with the homeless in India. He became a... A, a self-imposed prisoner in a prison in Europe so that he could proclaim the gospel to the prisoners within. He, he's done things like live with the homeless and, the, and the, 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 the teens in New York City who were sold into sex trade. He's done all of this. And the one thing that Brendan Manning said when, in my younger years was, do you really think that Jesus Christ went to the cross so that we could set an appeal on Sunday morning? Do you think that Jesus Christ actually died so that you and I can do good works? Now, I understand, as a believer, those things are going to happen. Amen? But the reason that Jesus Christ went to the cross was so that we might be saved. Period. We might be saved. And in our salvation, guess what? We go out into the world and we continue that message. And other people can be saved by hearing that word. And there is a certainty in knowing Jesus. 
Now, I know, man, y'all, y'all are probably just hoping to come to church today and just hear just a nice little easy message. But the fact of the matter is, is we live in a very uneasy world. And it's time that you and I as believers in Jesus step up and walk by faith and not by sight. That we walk by faith and not by politics. That we walk by faith and not what feels right. In this day and age, it's odd to me that you can post a, a verse, a scripture on the internet and people automatically turn it into a political rant. A verse of scripture can change the heart of man. But if you're not listening, if you're listening with, with ears that are influenced by the world, or if you're looking at Scripture through lenses that are not coded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to catch a wrong message every time. But when we hear the goodness of God's Word, and what we read here is that even God Himself, he, it says here that there was no one higher than God, that when He swore to, to Abraham, He had to swear by his own name because guess what? There's no one higher than God. Amen? There is no one higher than God. That is the God that we serve today. That is the God that we serve today. Our certainty in this God, he's he's all-knowing. I don't know how to handle a lot of these situations. To be honest, it, it makes me uncomfortable to talk about racial tensions, but guys, that does not mean that we as a church do not handle this, that we are not involved in social problems in our society, that we do not proclaim the gospel in everything that we do. Again, what we see in this world today is people acting out of fear. It's people acting out of hopelessness. And guys, let me say it one more time. We have a God who brings peace and hope. And that is the message we proclaim today. Isn't there a peace in knowing Jesus? You believers out there today, um, when was the last time you worried about going to hell? A healthy Christian doesn't worry about going to hell because we've been saved. We've been saved once, and for all, there is a, there is a security of the believer in that. Amen? And so we, we rest in that, and that's good for us. Now, let's let the rest of the world know about that peace that they can have. And so as a church, should we be outspoken about social events? Yep. Should we be outspoken about travesties that happen in our society? We should. We ought to be speaking up because it is only through knowing Jesus that anyone in history, anyone in present time can have peace. It's only through Jesus. It's only through him. Our certainty is in a God who, who sent the perfect sacrifice. A God who, who's the, the author of, of peace. A God who's the author of, of everything good. And he's the answer that we all need in our lives today. Our answers are not going to come through politics. Our answers are not going to come through the perfect president, the perfect senate, the perfect representatives, whatever. Our answers are only going to come when this nation gets back to Christ. And in this passage of Scripture, we read there towards the end, uh, verse, verse 19, it says that Jesus is, now catch this, verse 19, Jesus is the anchor where has America gone wrong? And maybe we've never really had it right. I know we say we're a Christian nation, but I've, I've been doing a lot of reading into American history and how America formed. I'm not really sure that we were ever a Christian nation. I'm not sure that we were ever what we were supposed to be. We were a bunch of people who were hungry for land, and we treated Native Americans as less than. And then once we stole their land, then we brought African Americans over, and what did we do there? We used them as our labor. 
And then when all of that, everything kind of changed and we became more and more, I guess, progressive in our thoughts, then we still looked down on people and we didn't give them all the rights that they deserved. And what we're seeing today is a culmination of a long time of us as a nation allowing this to happen. As a church, our message is not hate. Our message is not meanness. Our message is hope and peace. Our message is Christ. There's a certainty in that. And somewhere along the way, I guess we could say that America has taken that, that great anchor and we've just cast it off. And now we're trying to, to grasp onto to sandy shores and things that wash away, things that do not hold us sure. Church, it's time that we once again cling to the anchor of Christ. It's time that we cling to who he is. And if we're not doing that, we are completely and utterly missing the point. We're completely and utterly missing the power to be a church that's reaching the world. Now today, you look around and there's a little bit of space in here today. Some of you are completely happy with that. You're like, this is great. Like, I don't even have to shake hands today. That is amazing. But the thing is, is that, you know, I, I've been telling people, and it's just kind of been on my heart, this, this two-service Sunday, I don't want it just to be a, a convenience thing for people. And we even asked the question, you know, which service would you go to? Would you go to the 930? Would you go to, the, you know, the 10? And maybe if this becomes a normal, I mean, there maybe have to be some adjustments of time so we can still work Sunday school in there. You guys see what I'm saying? There's some, there's some logistics we're working out right now. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that I don't want us to view this as a, as a convenience thing or even a safety thing, even though it's part of it. But what I want this time change to be for First Baptist Forum is how can we bring more glory to God? You guys hearing that today? I want two services not again to be just convenience and sanitary. I want this to be a way to bring more glory to God. That more people, can you imagine filling this service twice every Sunday? Of course, when COVID goes away. Now, if we start growing, we may have to go to three services. And you guys all right with that? I'm okay with that. Man, I can preach all day anyways, and you guys know that. I'm, I'm on Sermon 2 today. Honestly, this is actually Sermon 3 because I got up preaching this morning. I was preaching in the shower. I was preaching walking around up here. You know, the Word of God is so good. Amen? And so as we're here today... What I want us to understand is that without a shadow of a doubt, if we feel uncertainty in our lives, let's cling to that anchor, which is Jesus Christ. He's that sure anchor that holds. And in uncertain times like this, as a church, let us not be people who just cling to, to politics. I was glad to see that the Southern Baptist Convention has made a healthy statement, I believe, a biblical statement as to how we should pray for this time. There was not an ounce of politics in that statement. I, I, I'm so encouraged by that. But more importantly, as, as a church, I hope that we can not let this be a time of division, but rather we can let this be a time of drawing together and going forth and showing people that there is a certainty in knowing Jesus. Isn't that a good word? I know I said it was a little bit heavy this morning, but man, we ought to leave here encouraged today. We ought to leave here knowing that without a shadow of a doubt, we're going to get through this. That even though we're facing pandemic and we're facing all of these social unrest, our church can grow through this. Our church can continue to do more through this. For God's glory, not for ours. I know sometimes Josh probably agree with this. We, 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 pastors, we, we really like to, you know, people to talk, talk good about us sometimes, don't we? 
Josh, you're doing a good job, man. Or, Daniel, you're doing a good job. We like that. But honestly, when you get into the ministry, the one thing that we have to understand is that we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the glory of God. And you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not following Jesus just for yourself. You're doing it that God might be glorified. And do you realize today, church, have you contemplated the thought that the, the relationship that you have with Jesus right now might be the open door for someone you know or someone you will meet? That the way you're living your life right now could be that opportunity in which someone else will hear the truth and now they will have a certainty in knowing Jesus. They will have a certainty in knowing Jesus. So what we see in this passage of Scripture is a clear call for believers to remember who we are. Who are we? We are a people of certainty because our God is certain. Isn't that a good word? And if we're certain, then I believe we also ought to be a church who's actively involved in proclaiming the goodness of the gospel to the whole world. Listen to what Dr. Dr. King said in 1963 from a jail cell. Dr. King, everybody, they like to, during times like this, Dr. King quotes, it just pops up all over the internet. People start using him. But, but honestly, I mean, in our, in our culture, he, he was the man that really kind of got a lot of stuff rolling back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, right through there. Look at what he said from a jail cell about the church. I read this and I'm like, not much has changed. April 16th, 1963. So often, the contemporary church is a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. Think about that for a moment. The church is weak, has an uncertain sound. So often it is an arch defender of the status quo. Oh. Daniel's back to heavy. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is sold by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. The, the, the picture he paints of the church is a church that, that could be powerful, right? But they're quiet. A, a structure in the community that could make a difference, but yet they're silent. They're, they're really good at keeping status quo. And guys, I believe this is a matter of fact that the church throughout history, or at least throughout the history of the United States, we have just been so good about keeping everything status quo. One of the things I hear from people is like, well, the, the, the police officer was arrested. What more do you want? As a believer in Jesus, what I want, I want all people to be treated equally in our country. That's what I want. Status quo is saying, you know what, it's not, a, it's not a black or white issue, it's a right or wrong issue. No, that's a, that's a racist statement there. So who's right and who's wrong? Are you saying that a certain race is wrong? You know what the issue is? It's sin. Do you know what the issue is on, on a broader scale that maybe we can understand? Maybe even an, un, an unbeliever would agree to? The issue is racism. Racism is sin. And as sure as we look and we see all the looting and everything that's going on in our world today, as a church, that's not, that should not be our, 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 our main thing that makes us mad. The first thing that you should get mad about is not that. Let's trace everything back to where it started. Where did it start? It started in somebody killed somebody else. Have we, have, have we gotten past the point that it doesn't bother us 
that an authority figure in the United States of America took his knee, placed it in the neck of a person, and held them down until they died. Does that not bother the church? We are more concerned with burning real estate than we are with the fact that a man was killed in our land simply based on racism or, at the best, just someone who doesn't know Christ. You see, church, what we must understand today and what we must hold to is the fact that this stuff all started because of sin in people's lives. And if we think that sin in our lives is no big deal, it is. Sin will lead you down a road that you never intended to go down. Sin will take you to a place that you never intended to go. And so here's what I want you to understand today, that if we are following close after the heart of God, if we are compassionate, if we have that gut-riching pain in our, in, in, in our, in our beings for those that are hurting around us, and, and can I just for a moment ask you guys to do something? Let me, let me give you a little homework to take home today because maybe this is something we all need to do as a church. This week... Just contemplate for a minute what it would be like to be a parent in Minneapolis right now with children. To raise kids in an environment such as that. Have you really just contemplated that and, and prayed about it? Have, have you thought about this? Joni, Joni brought this one to my attention. Have you thought about the wife of the police officer who killed the man? Have you thought about that? What would it be like to be that woman? To know that your husband had done such an atrocious thing. Let me take it one step further. Can you put yourself in the shoes of the man that killed? Have you put yourself in the shoes of the man that put his knee on the back of that man's neck? Have you thought about what it must be like to be in such a state that that seems like the only viable option? See, church, what I'm calling us to today is not a political agenda. What I'm calling us to today is to have the compassion of Christ in our hearts. There's a whole lot of hurting people in this world. It's not just the looters. It's not just the people affected. It's not just the police and law enforcement, which, by the way, you know what I believe about law enforcement? That's a small, very small percentage of them, but we still have a problem in this nation, don't we? Not all protesters are looters either, right? Can we agree to that? I mean, there's, there's, there's kind of bad seeds on both sides of the aisle here, but, but we're not called to get up in arms about a burning building. We're called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only hope. It does us no good to argue about these things. It does us no good to go out here and to, to, to hold people down and, and to treat people as less than. What Dr. King says is so true. We need, to be, we need to be a voice that is heard and a voice that is certain. And guys, we can be a voice that is certain because of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where we're at today. Because our hope is in a God who is who's all-powerful, a, a God who, who without any reservation can empower us to go through it. How many of y'all are a little bit unsure about the but the pandemic a little bit still. We don't know, right? And I know a lot of people are like, the pandemic's a, it's a, it's a spamdemic or whatever. You know, they got a name for it now. They're, they're like, oh, it's pandemic, spamdemic, whatever. I don't know. Maybe we hadn't seen the worst of it yet. Maybe, maybe it really wasn't that bad. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory, right? I, mean, <laughs> I hear all kinds of stuff about this. If you believe in conspiracy theories, I don't mean anything against you. you 
Just keep believing that, okay? That's fine. If that's where you, if that's where you lead, that's, I'm not here to judge that. But here's what I do want you to understand. No matter what you go through in life, who do we have? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He is a certain fact in the believer's life. It doesn't matter if we're going through a pandemic. It doesn't matter if, if the looting comes to poor Oklahoma. You know what? It doesn't matter if the government shuts the doors of our church and says that we can't meet. You know what we still have in our homes? Jesus. You still can worship Jesus wherever you're at. That's the certainty I'm speaking about today. Isn't that encouraging? I, I want that to, to, to be something you leave with here today, that, that, that no matter what happens, if, if, if the pandemic numbers spike this week and we can't meet next week, so be it. We're still going to glorify God next Sunday morning. We're going to still glorify God with our lives from here on out. We're still going to glorify God whether this, this entire nation burns down because of, because of social unrest, because we have Christ. Honestly, if you... If you study much church history, you'll see that for a majority of, of the church's history, we have been under suppression. The churches went through numerous times in history where governments and organizations held the church down. Even today, there are places in the world today that if you profess Christ, you lose citizenship and you can also lose your life. Tell me how rough you have it again, please. Tell me how rough it is to follow Jesus today. Do you really think that Christ just died on the cross that you can come sit in a pew on Sundays? No. Christ died on the cross that you may be empowered to, to bring him glory. And that changes everything. As a worship team, you know, guys, we don't just sing worship songs, right? Man, we're, we, are, we are inviting people to worship the God of creation, the God who, who, who's doing something amazing in our lives. If we will just listen but there's too many in this world today that they just want to focus on politics or they just want to focus on the things that really do not matter. And I'm not saying they don't matter in a bad way, but what I'm saying is at the core of all the problems in our society is sin. And at the core of our hearts as a believer is the cure for sin, and that's Jesus, his blood on the cross. And that can save an entire civilization. Let's not be the... Let's not be the believer today who says, well, it's the end of times. Well, it very well might be. And if you read Revelation, it shouldn't concern you a bit because Christ wins and we have a certainty in him. But even if it is the end of times, the church can go on. The church can continue on. The church can continue to do what the Lord has commissioned us to do, what he's told us to do. Our hope and our commandment, I feel we find in 1 John, if you want to turn there, 1 John chapter 2. But church, I want you to listen to these words today. Is everybody listening? Man, it's so good to see your face. I mean, nobody's asleep yet. I love that. You guys are still awake. You're like, yeah, but we're thinking about El Jaraco or something like that, right? 1 John chapter 2. Look at this verse. This passage of Scripture, we, we get an encouraging word, and then we get a, a commandment. If you guys are paying attention... Hey, this is, this is how we need to focus on our lives. This, this is the directive for us to, to go through pandemic. This is the directive to go through times of social unrest. This is the directive for us to go through daily life. 1 John chapter 2, my little children. <laughs> Don't get offended. But aren't we like little children sometimes? Aren't we like little children? My little children, I am 
writing these things to you so that you may not sin. What's the core problem to the looting and the, the pandemic and everything in this world today? What's the core? Everybody say it. It's sin, right? He's writing us a letter saying, I write this to you so that what? You may not sin. Is it important that we live a life of holiness? You bet it is. Is it possible for us to do it on our own? Nope. But through Christ, we can live a life that glorifies him. What does he say here? I don't want you to sin. I'm writing this to you so you don't sin. But if anyone does sin, (laughs) little children, if you do sin, what's the plan now? What's the protocol? What's the, the plan of action? What's the standard operating procedure now that you have sinned? What do you do? Well, here it is. You don't do anything because we have an advocate with the Father. Who is that? It's Jesus. The advocate we have, and we just read in Hebrews, he's already went behind the curtain. In other words, he's the priest that we need in our lives. He's the one that's going to do the, 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 the work that we need to be, to be who we are in Christ. He's going to make us holy. He's going to, to give us the power to get through anything in life. He is the one that's going to ultimately save us. Praise God we've been justified as believers. Amen? Praise God that we are being daily sanctified as believers. And one day, all of this will be rectified when we get to heaven. One of these days, this will all turn out good. But we've got to keep holding on. But if we do sin, guys, and you will, we have an advocate. We have someone who's reaching out for us. He is the propitiation for our sins. Verse 2. And not for ours only, but, everybody listen, but for the sins of the whole world. Guess who Christ died for? Everyone, right? Christ died for the officer who just killed a man. However you feel about that, I really don't care, and it's, it's kind of just, it doesn't really matter, does it? Everybody has their own opinions. Everybody's looking at the world from a different vantage point. But the point is, is a man died. Maybe he did some bad stuff. I don't know. Were we there? No. You can't trust Fox and CNN News to, to, to give you an accurate picture. We know that. Those places don't give accurate pictures. But what we do know is that someone died. We know that the wages of sin is what? Death. You see what I'm saying? From that, now we're seeing more sin. From that, we see, hopefully not, but maybe more deaths. We're seeing this happen right in front of our eyes. And if we sin, what do we do? Riot? If we sin, what do we do? Add more police? Send out the National Guard? No. If we sin, we have an advocate through Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. Amen. But he also died for what? Not just believers. Not just the people that are in the church house. He died for the sins of the whole wide world. I love that. Verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him. Okay, so how do we know that we're a believer in Jesus Christ today? Well, listen up. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If we keep the commandments of God, that shows that we are a follower of God. Now, does this mean works is the issue here? No, what it's saying is that 
when you get close to God, it changes who you are. You rely upon God. He works through you, and now you are doing His glory. You are co- completing His commandments, not by your own power, but by His glorious work within you. Does everybody hear that today? Daniel's not good. Josh isn't good. Ash isn't good. Jimmy's not good. And you are not good based on our own power, but it's because of the power of God working through us. If we're doing anything good right now, it's not because of our own power. I'll tell you this today that as a, as a pastor, I, I, I'm in a complete awe that the Lord uses me sometimes. Because I realize this, that I'm just a sinful man, just like you. I'm a sinful person, just like you. But I feel so in awe because God, God chooses to work through me. And that because of Him, I can obey His commandments. Because of His work through me, His commandments can be obeyed. Verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep the commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. I like that because I think a lot of times we think that we're saved by works. Have you ever heard that before? You better be a good old boy. I had a conversation at work the other day with some folks, and they were talking about, well, what if... What if, right? That's always a good question to start out with. What if somebody gets like a, a, a brain condition and so they become a really terrible person in the last few years of their life? Do they still go to heaven? I said, well, by that logic, no, but here's what the Word of God teaches us. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by Jesus and his work on the cross. It's not something we do. Does everybody hear that? Well, Daniel, then we just don't need to do anything. If we're not saved by works, then why do we need to do anything? Nope. If you're saved, you're going to want to glorify God. If you're going to want to glorify God, you're going to see his commandments obeyed. You're going to see great things happen in this world. We do good stuff as a church, not because we're good people. We already know the Bible teaches us that there's no one that's good. No, not one. But the reason we can do anything good is because the power of God that works through us, and we're able to bring him glory. We're able to bring him glory. And it says here that if we don't, then that's, that's a picture of, well, God's not working through you, so you must not be saved. It has nothing to do with your works. It has the fact that God's not working through you. Isn't, I think that, too, when I look at that, I've seen so many people misuse that scripture over time. They say, well, it's, it's all about your works. Man, if I could lose my salvation, I would, because I'm imperfect. I would hate to depend upon my goodness in order to get to heaven. Christ is our advocate. Christ is the one that empowers us. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What what does that walk look like? Some people say, well, does it look like a preacher? You know, I've entered a new phase in my ministry. Apparently, I'm a tele-evangelist, right? (laughs) If you, if you send me $10, Don, I'll send you a prayer hanky, right? So I'm, I'm a televangelist now. I'm really not. I just, I like that we're able to reach more people. There are people listening right now in Ireland. I don't know why they are. But why do we do all of this? It's because God is working through us. Because i got to tell you something, there's nothing greater than having God work through you. 
that, that there's a lot of times when I, when I step up to do a sermon and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. Sometimes as a worship team, y'all probably just not feeling it when you get here. You're tired, you're, you know, it's like uh, the sound's messing up or whatever. But when you allow the power of God to work through you, there's nothing like it. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, understand this today. There is nothing like being led by the Holy Spirit when you walk from day to day to day and you see God do stuff and it's not to your glory, but it's to God's glory. So what's our directive here today? Our directive is to understand that, that Jesus is that great high priest, that he's that great advocate. Now listen, how, how do we live our lives? I called you to, to do a little homework this week, and I hope you remember it. I hope you just take time, maybe as you're listening to news or flipping through uh, social media feeds or whatever, I, I hope you, if you see a story that just sickens you about a person, just put yourself in their shoes and pray for them and feel the pain that Christ feels. Feel the pain that Christ feels. You know, in the, in the New Testament, we see several occasions in the word used for pain that Jesus feels. It says he had compassion. It's not really the compassion that you're, you and I are talking about today. If you're, if you're driving down the road and you see a, a turtle struggling across the road, right? How many of y'all have compassion for turtles? I do. I'm like, please get across the road. I don't want you to die. If you ever hit a turtle, it's like, it's like the worst day of my life. I, I'm, that, I'm that guy, right? I may have hit one the other day, and it ruined my morning. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, oh, why couldn't you just walk faster or slower or something? You know, why, why, could, why did it have to be that speed? And it, oh, You hit one too, all right? <laughs> but you know, that, that's not the compassion that we read about when Jesus, the, the, the word there, the Aramaic word, actually the Greek word, if, if you'd like it, I can give it to you later, and it's, I, I just want to get the point across here, though. That, that, that word that we read in the original when it talks about Jesus having compassion, it's actually a word that means he had a bellyache. It was gut-wrenching. Church, when was the last time you had a gut-wrenching pain for the suffering in this world today? When was the last time you, you, you looked at the guy who just killed a guy and just really felt bad for him because you understand that without Christ, he's going straight to hell. And instead of being judgmental and saying, well, good, he deserves it. No, we all deserve it. But thanks be to God, we don't have to. And honestly, that man doesn't have to go to hell. Honestly, his wife who's suffering right now, she doesn't have to suffer alone. Honestly, the, the, the family of the man who was killed, they don't have to suffer alone because there is a God who loves them all. Do you guys hear that? Look at, look at the commandment from Scripture here. Look at the commandment. Verse, verse 6 there. Verse 7, I'm sorry. Verse 7. Beloved. I like this because he starts it out by saying what? Little children. But now he's saying, beloved. Listen to this. Church, listen to this. I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you. It's an old commandment, but hear it again for the first time is what he's saying. You, you know this, but hear it again. Let it, let it wash over you. Let it be new. Let it be a new commandment. He says, because the darkness is passing away, the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. 
Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother, oh, he's saying it again. There's a point here. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What I don't want for the church today is for us to walk around with blinded eyes. I don't want us to, to forget the commandment here, to understand that the, that the work of the gospel in our lives is not our own power, but the work of the gospel in our lives is God working through us. What I want us to understand today is that as we, as we traverse these, these waters that are, that are tricky right now, I mean, even right now, you know, I, I just want to come and hug every one of you right now, but, and some of you I have because you don't care, but some of y'all are like, oh, yeah, let's give it a few more weeks, you know, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. Some of y'all, I was really surprised no one came to, to service in a big bubble or something, you know, and that's fine. I'm not picking on the people that are scared because it is scary. We don't know. But as we traverse these waters of pandemic, we traverse these waters of social unrest, as we traverse these waters of us being human, let us not forget that there is a certainty in knowing Jesus. Amen? And the call of the church today is to not be quiet about social things. Our call is to be a person who loves all people. To love all people. Why is that? Because Christ has loved all people. We have a certainty in knowing who he is. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness, your grace. What an amazing God that you are. Lord, I thank you for this service that we've been able to have today. What a, what a blessing it is to come into your house. What a blessing it is to, to hear your word. What a blessing it is to, to know that you want to work through us, that you want to you be glorified in us. And God, would you do that today? God, would you rise us up? Lord, would you raise up a church that is no longer silent on the, the areas that we do not need to be silent on, Father? Sometimes as a church, we are called to speak hard truths. Lord, in Ecclesiastes, we read that there's a time for all kinds of things. Lord, may this be a time where change happens in our nation, and not just so that we can all be happy with each other and just be a utopian society, but Lord, I pray that this is a time of change so that people will know you as their Savior and Lord, and that you will be glorified through it. God, would you call people today to salvation? Would you call people today to be empowered by your Holy Spirit to go into the world and to be forever changed? In your most